let's be real, it keeps me going. Mm-hmm. If I was not doing this and I cannot be a teacher, what else would I be doing? I'd be really depressed. That's the honest truth of it. If I didn't have something to wake up and look forward to in helping others and myself along the way, I'd probably be a mess. If you're a busy mom, but you have writing goals and dreams that you're working on, this podcast is here to help you achieve them. My name is Jackie, and I'm a mother and an author of a self-published young adult novel and a firm believer in the power of moms to create. This podcast is about finding inspiration and insight. It's about learning new ways to fuel your writing and to share your writing with the world. And sometimes, actually all the time, it's about taking a moment to just laugh at and appreciate the crazy everyday chaos that is being a writing mother. Hey guys, it's Jackie. Welcome to another episode of These Moms Write. Are you interested in writing nonfiction? Perhaps about something you have personally struggled with in the hopes that it could help others, especially women and mothers, while earn you income in the process. Today's episode features Stephanie Thompson. Stephanie is a mother from Australia and an advocate and sufferer of pelvic organ prolapse, an injury she sustained during childbirth. And if you don't know what that is, you are not alone. In today's show, Stephanie shares how she is inspiring a woman's health revolution to destigmatize pelvic health and empower women who suffer from prolapse to manage this injury in ways that let them live fully functioning lives again, and how all of this journey started with the launch of her book, The Day My Vagina Broke, What They Don't Tell You About Childbirth. Please welcome Stephanie Thompson. Hello, Stephanie. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. It is my absolute honor to be here with you. So tell me, what are you most excited about right now? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I'm probably most excited about what we're about to offer our Brave Mama community in terms of a new publication. Do you want to give us a little sneak sneak hint? Sneak hint? A little... <laughs> Hint. Yes, of course, um, which I'm pretty sure we'll get to as well. But basically, it is all of since 2019 when I released my first book, which I know we're going to talk about. I then launched a Brave Mama platform for women who live with pelvic organ prolapse. We've got women from around the world. And within that, we've offered little tips and tricks on how to live with prolapse. and. The daily things, you know, the nitty gritty, how do you manage washing? How do you manage this and that? So I decided to put them all together in one publication. You mentioned the pelvic organ prolapse. What got you started in this area? Yes. Well, uh, so my previous life, it wasn't actually as a teacher. So I was in education for 20 years. Oh, wow. I wasn't actually a particular academic myself at school. <laughs> so I don't think English was ever my strong forte. Uh, but after, in 2015, I gave birth to my little girl, Elsie, and it was very traumatic, the whole experience, but more so what I was left with, the physical injuries, meant that I was no longer able to return to my job as a teacher. Mm. And to help understand for your listeners is wow. that when you have Uh, pelvic organ prolapse to the same extent I do, standing, 
walking and just basically being upright after 10 minutes is quite painful. Wow. And it's it's quite debilitating. So some people do refer to it as a disability. And the, the, you know what the hardest thing is? It's invisible. No one can see it. Yeah. And so from the outside, everything looks normal. But on the inside, all of my organs, my pelvic organs, so your bladder, your bowel, and your uterus, um, they're not staying up where they need to be in the pelvic floor. Mm. So this is something I had to learn my own anatomy at, what, 35? I was like, what? What do you mean? What is that? What? <laughs> I didn't even understand my own body. And so when it was, to me, I refer to it as being broken because it's not functioning like it used to. Mm-hmm. I had to try and carry that silently and invisibly for quite a while, quite a while. I'd say three years until my daughter was about three and my son was just wow. a little baby. And it all kind of came to a head one day when um, they decided that while mommy was on the toilet, because with prolapse, it's it's hard to toilet, like you have oh. to stay there longer, wow. et cetera. They decided to have a party in my kitchen with a box of cornflakes and a whole jar of honey. <laughs> so when I came out and I saw them, I actually shared the photo not long ago of my son kind of kicking cornflakes all over the floor. I had a breakdown. Oh. Yeah, I just fell onto the ground. My husband was away for work and I was like, how can I clean this up? Yeah. But I think the real thing was I was saying, how can I continue to live like this? Mm-hmm. I'm pretending to the outside world like it's all okay, but it's really not okay. Physically, I can't do this. I can't even be a mom. I can't do any of it. And so funnily, right, at the same time, we were in the process of a lawsuit with the hospital where I birthed my baby. Oh, wow. And the legal team advised me to stay off social media. Mm-hmm. Apparently it's part of the process. And so I was like, oh, whatever. But I did keep my LinkedIn account, my professional LinkedIn account, because I just like to scroll. You know, when you're in a bit of a spiral and looking at someone else's stuff is a good distraction. Yeah. Probably not LinkedIn <laughs> for me, probably more like yeah. Poshmark, but I appreciate <laughs> I appreciate the tendency. Yeah. Yeah. So I looked at this one post and it was someone who I had met years ago. He's like a mentor. He's an author. He does author coaching. He was Mm. in Bali and he did this screenshot of um, where he was. He was about to start the academy. And I thought, I want to be there. Mm. I don't care what he's doing. I just want to be in Bali right now by myself. Yes. Can relate. I also would like to be there. Yes. Mm -hmm. And there was never an intention to write a book. I was never a writer. Like I said before, Mm -hmm. not that great at at English. Somehow the universe was telling really strong pull. I can't quite explain it. Mm -hmm. Two days or three days later, I was there. No. Yeah. (laughs) I got there on the day he started. He started the the Authors Academy at 8 a.m., and I arrived just in time. I walked in. He said, my God, you're here. I said, yep, I'm here. I don't know what the heck I'm doing here. I don't even think I need to write a book, but I'm just here. <laughs> wow. That's incredible. And also learning writing in Bali itself sounds amazing. I can promise you it was 
the start of my healing journey. Mm. And I just didn't even know it yet because after day one of learning the concepts and frameworks on how to write a book and why you're writing a book, that whole entire night, I just, just like floods of tears were just streaming from my face. And I was like, what is this? Oh, I get it. This is that big bag of grief I've been carrying for mm. three years by not telling anybody. Yeah. And the whole entire week was you had to write chapter one. You had to leave the academy with your full framework organized and chapter one written with feedback. Mm-hmm. By the end of that week, I was like, oh, yeah, I need to do this. This is mm-hmm. my resolve. Even mm-hmm. if I'm not going to be good at it, I could just lock it away and move forward, right? Yeah. So when I returned home and I started every day writing, and I think for your listeners who are either wanting to become writers or are writers would resonate that it's about the practice and the habit. Mm -hmm. So remembering I had two children under two with my husband that was traveling for work, I was like, where am I going to find the time? There is no time. But I found time mm-hmm. at 4 a.m. every morning. <laughs> yeah. And I called up my little 4 a.m. writing club, yeah. just me and my computer and a cup of tea and no social media and no emails and no interruptions because generally my baby would wake up anywhere between 5 a.m. and 6 a.m. Okay. So I just did that for one hour every single day. Didn't take a day off. Didn't have a weekend. And that book was written within, I'm going to say, Three months. Wow, that's incredible. Mm-hmm. And it was, it, can you tell us a little bit about what kind of book it is? Yeah, so it's my journey to motherhood. And the title is called The Day My Vagina Broke, What They Don't Tell You About Childbirth. It's attention grabbing on purpose. It <laughs> was a very intentional reason behind that because had I written The Day My Pelvic Floor Fell Apart or something, People wouldn't be interested. And and then for me, the main reason why calling it something like that is because when I found out that over 50% of our female population will experience pelvic organ prolapse in their lifetime, first, I was horrified because I didn't even know what the word was at 35. Two, I was then thinking, well, why don't we know this? Why? Mm-hmm. It's, with that, like one in two women, how come we don't talk about it? How can we do And then I started to really unpack and find out the taboo and the shame about talking about anything pelvic health. And it all made sense to me. And I thought, if I don't now release this book and share it with the world, nothing is going to change for my daughter. She could end up just like me. And how horrible would that be knowing I had this information? Yeah. I had an opportunity to make change and I didn't. Yeah. Why do you think there's so much taboo around it? Is it just because it has to do with vaginas? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. You're spot on. You're spot on. And it's something that I'm continually learning every single day, even in the last three years, is that it's so deep seated because we live in such a misogynist mm-hmm. society. We always, you know, like it's historical, it goes way back. But interestingly, I learned that there's a nerve in our pelvic region 
that is called, I'm going to pronounce it wrong. I always do I, as much as I practice it. It's called the pen. I, I keep saying pendulum, but it's not it. It's like pendular nerve. The Latin meaning for that nerve means shame and taboo. What? Yeah. Oh, my God. It, it goes way back beyond our comprehension of why we think it's. And, and then the second part of that is that for females, there's never been the only reason why we talk about our pelvic health is for reproduction only mm. and never, you know, never pleasure or never any of that stuff. So there's multifaceted reasons why there's so much shame. And I think for men, because for them to reproduce, we can talk about all their pelvic organs because without them, they can't do it. For women, I think it's always just been seen as a process for reproduction and that's it. That the organs are a process mm. for reproduction? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And that's it. That's all we've ever really mm-hmm. been viewed as. Mm-hmm. And so learning about how it works, uh, the systems, it's never been part of our education. We were lucky to ever be taught about our own menstruation cycles, <laughs> for goodness sake. That's true. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I really didn't know about the prolapse uh, potential until one of my friends had it a few years ago. Again, oh, I never heard yes. of it before. It's the mm. worst it's the best kept secret, which is ridiculous when, because I just thought, oh, it's just me. Like I just failed childbirth. It was something I did wrong or didn't mm-hmm. do. And then when you dig deeper and you learn the statistics, it's like, hang on a minute. This, this, is, this is more prevalent than breast cancer. We all know that a pink ribbon represents breast cancer now and, mm-hmm. and the awareness and what to do, but there's nothing for pelvic health. Yeah, wow. It's intense, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's heavy. It's so intense. It's so intense. I mean, I'm going to have to go look up pelvic floors after this because I can't even really visualize it. It's so hard. And, and the next element to that is that there is no really good current imagery or videos to show you what it is. The pictures that you might find might be literally of a hammock, a hammock that you lay on with some blobs sitting on top saying, this is what your pelvic floor looks like and these are your organs. And like, hang on, that looks like a tropical island holiday. (laughs) The resources just aren't there. Yeah, absolutely. They're getting better, getting better, but we're still really far behind. Wow, yeah. And I feel like as we, you know, hit our our 40s or the health and functioning of your organs is something you need to be aware of. Mm -hmm. They start to be more present in your lives. Absolutely. Incontinence, (laughs) everything that women go through that I think my nan and my, and her mom, like my great grandmother, they all lived in silence. Yeah. They didn't tell each other. They didn't share it. They just went, Oh, well, that's just a part of being, having a vaginal childbirth. Yeah. But I think to myself, that is not okay. Yeah, that is not okay. It's never okay. It's not okay. No. And what about the title of your book? Um, You mentioned previously that you had feedback that, oh, you can't say the word vagina. Vagina. Yes, yes. So um, 
we were talking with some publishing houses in terms of, you know, it was a great book and it is something that wasn't really in the market in that childbirth space, but the word vagina was too hard. So it was going to need to probably change. And I was like, what's the other option here? I, I'm not okay with this. If I've got to just really have this level of vulnerability in my life and share the with the world what's happening for me privately, then let's do it properly. And like I said, having a book that says the day my pelvic floor fell apart is just not impactful. No. And so the decision was then to self-publish. Wow. And I think I think in the States it's a lot more acceptable. And here in Australia, we're a little bit behind and self-published sometimes comes with the um, stigma of being not a, a real book, mm. you know, or like an e-book or something. Right. But I still had a publisher. We still had the full process, still had a, you know, a proper designer and a, an editor and all of that. The only difference for us is that it was self-funded. Mm-hmm. And so what was the reception like? Like you mentioned, it was very vulnerable. Mm. How was that process for you? I have a feeling that because I've got an amazing community around me, I was protected by anyone who really didn't like it in a sense because the people who I was sharing it with had very similar stories Mm. or are living with prolapse. And so it made sense to them to read a book like that because they Mm. could see themselves. If there are people out there that don't like it, then that's, I haven't seen it. I'm sure there is, but they're entitled to that thoughts and opinions. And I wouldn't want to change anyone's perception because I think the whole idea is that we can look at things very openly and have lots of honest, open conversations about all aspects of childbirth, be it you know, cesarean section or vaginal birth or or midwives and obstetricians, I really want to stop the pitting of, you know, breastfeeding versus formula feeding and all of those things that make us feel so worthless. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, like I I haven't had any experience, but I, what I have had is people reach out and say, thank you so much. Mm -hmm. For the first time in my life, I feel like someone understands me. I feel like I can talk about it. I feel like... Yeah. I mean, I, to be honest, Jackie, I think it was hard for my family the most, mm. as in my mum and sister, possibly some aunts, because I couldn't talk to them about this. Like I said, I lived in silence. And so when they were reading those words, I'm pretty sure they were like, why didn't you tell us this? We mm. could have helped you. And I very clearly explained it is that I couldn't say the words for something I didn't even understand myself because the entire time this was happening to me, my midwives were telling me it was normal. It was okay. Like this is just part of childbirth. And I believed that for quite some time. For three years, Mm. you were living with this pain and just being told this is normal. Yes. And obviously the journey, there's lots of up and down seeing surgeons and specialists and there was always going to be like a a surgery option to fix it. When that couldn't go through, I was like, oh, wow, am I left with this? And that was about that two and a half, three year mark. I was like, oh, is this it? Right. Okay. That's when the book kind of kicked in. Wow. What a journey. And so you have also created a community around this 
but can mm. can continue to do so. Can you can you tell us about about that that next level? Sure. I, it was actually as I was writing the book. I think it's in like chapter eight or something. I was sharing a couple of tips that, and, and to give some background, both my husband and I, are, uh, we would say. <laughs> Modestly, we're high achievers. And so if you say you can't do something, we'll find a way to go over it, under it, around it, or through it, because we honestly believe that you can do anything. And so even though I was met with lots of hurdles being a mom with two young kids and not being able to function physically, I had to find these what we call workarounds. Mm. And so if I couldn't do this, then I would try that. And there were some really good things in there. Like, you know, just like, for example, having a plastic chair in the shower so I could sit and wash my hair because washing your hair and standing for that amount of time is really uncomfortable, especially at night. So we got one of those plastic chairs from the hardware store and put it in the shower. I was like, that's a $10 fix. Yeah. A really easy workaround. It's helpful. And so when I was sharing them in the book, I was like, oh, I don't probably want to wait and I don't want have people to have to buy the book to find these out. I might just start putting a couple of them in Facebook. <laughs> and it just grew from there of being like my mom and my sister and my cousins to being some friends and then their friends. And then now we're, you know, two and a half thousand women from around the globe just sharing all of our tips on how to live with prolapse, especially for those who can't have surgery. Um, and so that's how it's just grown grown and grown and grown every day. Wow. That's incredible. I mean, it just speaks to how important your message is. And how many women are feeling alone and left in the dark. And that's not okay. No, that's not okay. Not on Stephanie's watch. I love it. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) And so um, then the podcast, how does that play into things? Can you share about that piece? Definitely. Because I, after writing the book, I felt like, oh, I feel like I could be a writer. I love writing. This is really good. I would start writing blogs, um, just, you know, social media pieces, and I would feel really good about it. But the time constraint was really hard. And quite often people would message and say, oh, look, can we just chat on Zoom? I'd love to ask you these questions. I was like, yeah, sure. I'm, I love talking. I'm a teacher. Everyone loves the sound of their own voice. <laughs> so um, I also felt that when we started kind of doing those Zoom calls is that you could dig deeper than the written word because you've got that automatic feedback. You can read the room. You can look at their body language. You can ask, oh, what did you mean by that? And you can clarify. And so I was like, it makes sense to have conversations with guests on a podcast because mm-hmm. From what I w- when I was searching myself, because let's not forget my prolapse hasn't gone away. So I'm mm. over here as Stephanie, the individual, still searching for solutions right. every single day for mm. myself. And then I share them. There was no podcast talking about prolapse. I think there was potentially one or two that I stumbled across later after we had already started the show. Um, and then just talking to guests like medical experts to, to get an appointment with a surgeon or a urogynecologist there's a massive wait list and here in Australia the prices might start from 280 to 350 it's not usually covered by our Medicare and so what? to just even talk to someone 
it's not accessible. So wow. I was like, I'll bring them on the show. I'll make it accessible. Mm-hmm. And so we, what we do is we'd put a call out to the community and say, hey, does anyone have any questions for this amazing surgeon we're interviewing next week? They send them in. We do our interview. And at the end, I ask our brave member questions. And it's been amazing because I feel like the value in that for me alone has been phenomenal. Even for myself, as, as you know, my guest is talking, I'm like writing notes saying, oh, that's amazing. I'm going to try that. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I know from having a writing podcast, I'm always stealing tips too. I can't imagine how useful that would be for a medical condition. Oh yeah, definitely. The more we can share, the more we can support one another, the better everyone is. And that's the way it should be lifting one another up. Yeah. And has there been anything surprising to you about the podcast experience and building this community in this new way? Yeah, there's a couple of things. That's a real, I really love that question, by the way. Probably the fact that I'm learning things as I go still, even the fact that I love talking so much. <laughs> I probably prefer this forum over writing now. I feel like I've flipped from loving writing to loving talking. I feel like the connection is deeper, even just being able to look at you right now mm. and have a chat with you. When we get off this call, I f- and I know this is overused, but I feel really lit up. Mm. I walk yeah. away and I've got this level of energy and this really high vibration that really feeds into positivity for the entire day. Mm. When you write something, sometimes when you dump it all out, it's like, oh, it's relief but then I feel tired, Mm. a little bit exhausted, like, oh, God, that was heavy. But when we talk, at the end, I can go and like, hey, yay, that was amazing. I just had this interview with Jackie. She's got an amazing podcast. And it's easier to talk about. Yeah. I think that process has been a nice discovery, an unexpected little gold nugget. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that because I have that exact same experience. Sometimes when I'm like, oh, the podcast, I should be writing. But then when I have an interview, I'm like, I love talking to humans. I feel so wonderful now. Yes, a hundred percent. And and I think writing still comes from it. But I feel like after the calls, you could get off and write something that is so amazing. Yeah. You know, because your energy is very different. Yeah, it really does. Uh, like you said, let you up, fill that creative well that, you know, Julia Cameron uses that her metaphor in her book, The Artist's Way. And I think, you know, that's definitely for me, a big source of creativity, creative energy. And for listeners who want to start a podcast, if you've ever thought about it, our mutual friend, John is launching a podcasting course. Isn't he amazing? Yes. Um, so highly recommend it. Um, again, there's lots of different resources out there, but it is really special when you have someone that you trust and connect with shepherd you along the path. A hundred percent. And I'm not sure if I meant to say this, but I will, (laughs) is that through part of his course, I'm coming on as a guest speaker because with my podcast, I've been able to really um, find some lovely partnerships. So I think 
maybe they're called sponsorships, but we work a little bit differently in terms of partnerships to be able to get your podcast to a level to monetize Mm. where you're serving similar communities. And so I'm going to talk about how I've partnered with big brands like Toyota and Huggies and Modibody. And if one little person can do that, I'm going to share how I did that because we want success for all of our podcasters. And I know by doing John's course, people will get to the end and go, oh, my God, I've got an amazing podcast and this is so good, so life-changing. Wow. Wow, that's exciting. Can you tell us anything about that part of the journey? Um, It's been something that I went and learned myself. So Mm. I did a course with an expert who's been doing marketing to mums is her book for a very, very long time. And so I signed up during COVID to do Mm. her course because once you self-publish and it's all self-funded, you then have to self-sell the book. (laughs) Yes. You think that you write a book and then it's just going to go gangbusters and then you're like, oh, hang on a minute. I've actually, the hard work now begins right? Yeah. yeah. So by doing her course and finding partners and, and finding people who you align with and have similar audiences has been an amazing process. Yeah. It was a long, it was a longer course, but well worth it. And I'm just going to try and condense it for people coming to John's podcasting, because I think people don't know how to do that yet. I mean, you can YouTube anything, but it doesn't give you the very clear strategies on things that have actually worked yeah there's almost there's so much information out there you need someone to that to show you which is the right information to trust yes yeah or how to even get on the path for you to discover it yourself because Mm -hmm. what is applicable to me and my community will be different to you in your community right yeah absolutely yeah i'm just thinking like fiction versus nonfiction, there's probably a lot of differences Yes, in that alone. Definitely. Yeah. You mentioned at the beginning of the interview that you are now about to launch your second book. Can you, you know, yes. share what that's about? I think I've always wanted to write The Day My Vagina Was Fixed. Oh. <laughs> and this is how you do it. Yeah. I think six years down the track after really investigating for every avenue, that book is not anywhere near coming out, sadly, for me. Like it's, oh, okay. there's no surgery on the cards. There's no pestery or there's, no, there's nothing, no technology that can help me right now. So I thought, well, if I can't write that, mm. what, else, what else can we do to help people in a positive light? Yeah. And so this is the guide, your ultimate guide to living with prolapse because mm. six years on, people sometimes say to me, Oh, how did you fix it? Because you look all happy now. Yeah. No, I haven't. I've learned to live with the physical parts, but also work on every other part of me to be okay. Mm-hmm. Right? It's not all it's not all smiles every day, but it's lighter. So the impact of pelvic organ prolapse is not in the forefront of my mind every single minute of every single day. Mm. And then I'm just sharing how to be able to do that because people feel very stuck. And that's all the practical tips, like how to do your washing, how to cook, how to prepare meals for your family, like all the practical stuff that I do every day. Like, for example, we prepare our food at nine o'clock in the morning because by the afternoon, 
afternoon, the prolapse symptoms are more significant oh. as you are horizontal, you know, kind of like as you're vertical throughout the day, the organs slide down. When you're horizontal, gravity works really well and pushes them back in. But then as you get up throughout the day, lunchtime, they start to slide down again. So doing things like preparing the dinner at 9 a.m., really helpful, really simple. So we share that. Wow. That's so fascinating. And it's such a gift. You know, we're so lucky that you're doing all of this amazing work. Thank you. Let's be real. It keeps me going. Mm-hmm. If I was not doing this and I cannot be a teacher, what else would I be doing? I'd be really depressed. But that's the honest truth of it. If I didn't have something to wake up and look forward to in helping others and myself along the way, I'd probably be a mess. When you look at yourself before this happened and you were a teacher mm. to now, I mean, your life is so different. Do you feel that you you have the physical limitations and the physical pain, but you are also seemingly to like be showing up in such a profound way? Which which life would you pick? No one's ever asked me that before. Wow. Um I feel like, to be fair, I got a nice little tap on the shoulder reminder about how precious life is in 20, 2007 when I had cancer. So mm-hmm. after cancer, to the time I had a baby, I lived a really full-on life. I mm-hmm. was so lit up. Mm-hmm. So I was never never good at school, but then I became a principal very young. Oh wow! And I was never into exercise, but I became a triathlete. <laughs> I never really was thinking I'd fall in love and then I got married. And uh, so through those years between cancer and having a baby, that was, I feel like, my best life. Mm. And being a teacher and doing all of those amazing things. And then after baby, it's an adjusted life now. Mm. I can't say I don't love it because what would be the point of doing all of this? Mm-hmm. But I will say that bit in between yeah, I probably would go back to that. If I could run again, I would kill to do that because that was my medicine. Movement mm. was my way of de-stressing and, and doing all of those things. And I can't do that anymore, but I've had to just be okay with it. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if I'm just convincing myself <laughs> here. I don't know. <laughs> it's like, is it, like I've never had that question. And I, I think it's really lovely because now I'll think about that later. So thanks. Mm. Yeah, just when I see, you know, the life that you have for me, it's like, wow, you are doing so much and putting yourself out there in so many different ways. But of course, I didn't know you before. So this is the only Stephanie I know. And she's just fabulous. So oh, that is so beautiful. It is so beautiful to hear you say that. Thank you. I think Mm -hmm. those who did know me before could look at it from another lens and I'm overcompensating. Mm. <laughs> or I'm just trying really hard to be okay. And if I am, that's fine. I'm okay with that too. Like if I'm just winging it, yeah. if I'm, you know, like faking it till you're making it, I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'm okay with that too. <laughs> I don't think any of us really know what we're doing. We're all no. fumbling our way through this life. Totally. Yeah, I'm faking it too. So <laughs> just, you know, figuring it out yeah. step by step. Exactly. Exactly. What advice, you know, often 
I asked this question of my guests specifically about the writing journey, but yeah. you know, you could, you, you know, you've shared so much more than that, you know, that you're doing this amazing, you know, Facebook group, you do the podcast and now the second, like two books. Uh, but is, if, is there one piece of advice that you could give the Stephanie, maybe the one that, you know, just collapsed on the honey and cornflakes mm-hmm. coated floor that you could give her to help her in that. And in, in what you know, know now was about to come next. Start writing, start mm-hmm. writing today, get, go to Kmart or Target and buy a $2 journal. Also buy yourself a really nice pen <laughs> and just start writing. And by that, I mean, even just drawing a picture, just start something where you're not analyzing anything. You just start by swirly lines and then you might draw an image and then you might write some words to go with that image and make it a practice every single day. Then just start writing a paragraph or or a sentence and then close the book. And even if you did that for 10 minutes a day, what you're doing is you're offloading all of those thoughts swirling around in your head, not helping. Whatever they are, positive, negative, your to-do list, your shopping list, anything, just start writing. Because once you get into the habit and the process and you're like, oh, that feels good, I'm going to do that again. Some t- I actually, it's quite funny. I said this in an a Instagram post yesterday. If you can't find the words to say in a hard conversation to your partner, even if you just start drawing them and writing them down and slide it to them and say, read this because I can't, I don't know how to say this. It'll start a conversation you will benefit from greatly. Mm. Communication is key and communicating with yourself is where you can start with that writing. Mm, beautiful. Thank you. I love that. Very um, simple, but yeah, but quite actually complex and profound tip. Yeah, because we overthink it. Yeah, I know. I know. That is probably one of the number one um, walls that I hear from, you know, mom writers when I do workshops is that. Yeah. Where do I start? Where Where do I I start? I don't want to be messy. Here's a tip for you. This is what I got from my coach. When I wrote the start of that first chapter and my first sentence was something like, um, you know, from the beginning of time, women have been having babies, blah, blah, blah. He picked it up and in front of me, really good eye contact said, would you look at me, Steph, and say, before the beginning of time, women have babies. I'm like, no. He said, so write it how you would say it to me. Mm. I'm going to read it to you because I was actually just looking through it. I was waiting for you. Um, where is it? How funny. It's funny when you look at your own, your own book. Um, so this is what it ended up being. It said uh, something like, mummies have been having babies for a long, long time and not too much has changed in this long, long time. It still can only be done by women. I mean, that's that's how you would talk to someone. Like yeah. we've been having babies forever, but childbirth hasn't changed. What the hell? That's how you write it. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. So that that's my tip. I mean, I'll share that through him because he's amazing, Andrew, but that's what you can do is just start like you're going to talk to someone. Yeah. Yeah. 
Very true. And where can, where is the best place for people to catch up with you? Okay. So what I want your listeners to do, whatever platform they're listening to your podcast right now, I want them to go and search The Lowdown with Brave Mama. And if they go to season one or two, just listen to either of those trailers to find out if this podcast could also be helpful to you. Hmm. If it's not your jam, that's totally fine if you're not in this space, but you will probably going to know someone who needs this podcast, remembering that 50% of our female population experience prolapse. So share it with someone. Someone you know right now needs this podcast. Hmm. (laughs) They do. Thank you so much, Stephanie, for coming on the show today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for your amazing questions. (laughs) I hope you enjoyed the conversation. I know I learned a lot about pelvic organ prolapse from talking to Stephanie in this show and also from listening to her podcast, which she mentions as well. All right, so here are the top takeaways. Number one, courses, courses, courses. There's a lot of information out there on different aspects of books and marketing and building communities that Stephanie mentioned. But rather than just Googling the topic areas, find someone who's teaching that area that you resonate with because that can make all of the difference when it comes to implementation. Number two, bonus points if the course is in Bali. Number three, just start writing. Number four, follow the breadcrumbs. Stephanie didn't plan on creating a Facebook, which now has over 2,000 members. She just wanted to share some tips, and one thing led to another. And number five, write how you would say something. Thanks so much for listening to the show. Um, As always, I would love it if you could subscribe or review this podcast on Apple. That really helps me out. We also have the Facebook group, These Moms Write, and that is a great space to talk to other listeners and guests about the different topics that we discuss here. And you can also subscribe to my newsletter to find out about upcoming workshops and opportunities to take your writing to the next level. I'll put a link to all of the resources that Stephanie mentions in the show notes, but I want to specifically highlight the course we mentioned about podcasting. So podcasting has really changed my life, my business and my writing. Um, And if you're interested in learning how to start your own, my friend John Chow is running a podcasting course starting June 20th until August 22nd called the Podcast Creator Course. If you want to learn more about what John is about, you can check out his podcast, Perspective Maintenance. And as well, he's hosting a free info session today at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So if you want to learn more about what that is, I will put a link to his info session in the show notes. In the meantime, I'll talk to you next week. Happy writing.